Welcome to the Border Collie Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Martina, obsessed like you about Border Collies and dog training. Follow me to know more about this amazing breed and to learn from many inspiring dog professionals on how to make your training journey a success. Today is my first episode of the podcast, so welcome everyone and thank you for joining me in this new adventure. Um, as a first podcast, I thought about going deep into a post that I recently shared on my uh, social media and also on my blog on the website um, for my business, That'll Do Academy. Um, it's a post that had a lot of interest from all over the world and a lot of comments, um, most positive, but a few um, that said that what I was writing wasn't correct and wasn't actually close to reality. Um, so I just wanted to um, break down each point on my seven top tips you should know before getting a border collie puppy. Um, or getting a border collie. It doesn't have to be a puppy if you want to rescue. There's still things you need to know about the breed um, that it's useful to know before you get into it. And of course, on a post, um, I couldn't elaborate too much. And that's why I'm starting a podcast, because I like to elaborate on what I write. And I'm not really good at writing long posts and explain myself into writing. So I thought that actually talking to you um, would be much better and much easier. Um, so you are coming to my website or you are going to my um, Facebook pages, both the page for the podcast and the page for um, my business and you are a new border collie owner, you want a border collie and you want to know the pros and cons um, or mainly you want to know what you, be what you should be looking into before even committing to um, choose a litter and um, what characteristics you're looking for in that litter and other things. So, and what is the breed most important things to know? So this is going to be a great one for you to know um, in advance. Now, if you already have a collie, you might still learn things because there are things in here that a lot of people that already have a collie told me, oh, I didn't know that. Um, so it's good for you to know because you might have a young collie and you have not experienced a few of the things I'm talking about in this podcast. So whatever is your position, a new border collie owner, um, looking for a border collie puppy or even knowing, owing already border collie, this is a great podcast to start. Now, if any of the content is of particular interest to you, we can do a specific post um, about this, you know, a specific part of this, because we could talk for hours and I could talk for hours about these seven um, top tips, um, but I'm going to try to keep it around 20, 25 minutes maximum. And if there's something else you want to, um, actually, there are things in there that are going to be explored in a bit more in details in the future with some of my guests. Um, so don't worry, we're, not, we're going to talk about these things over and over and over again, and we're going to go deep into details of each individual one. So my first one, um, that to me is the most important one, before you even think, yes, I want a collie, you need to ask yourself, am I the right person? Have I got the right um, living condition to actually have a, a border collie? So border collies are working dogs. They have stamina and plenty of energies. They need a lot of mental and physical stimulation. So prepare to use all your spare time to keep them happy. 
What does it mean? So this is one of the things that has been contested because a lot of people say, oh, my border collie is very lazy. Now, when we talk about something, we never talk about everything, you know, everyone, the majority, the average. So I am aware there are collies that have less energy than others. I've had at least one, if not two, out of my four. So I've had border collies for 18 years. And my first girl was a very active dog. She was happy to just sleep next to me all day if that was the case. She never destroyed anything because of that. She never got into trouble because of that. She never got into behaviours that were dangerous for herself or for me because she did an exercise for that day. She wasn't a working type. She was a show type with some sport lines with some working dogs a few generations back and I picked her for that reason I don't I didn't want a working dog I did my research 18 years back um I bought books and I talked to people on forums and I decided I didn't want a working dog because I was working with horses and I wanted a dog that could happily wait in the car or or follow me around the yard without getting into trouble I didn't even know I wanted to do sport training with my dog I didn't want to I was into horses I wanted to do horses so I wanted a dog that came with me so she was a calm dog, but I did pick her to be a calm dog. I met parents and I like them. I like what the owner told me about them, um, the breeder, and I picked her for that reason. My two consecutive collies, that's Moss and Jock, they are working lines. And Moss especially was very challenging as a young dog. Uh, it needed a lot of mental and physical stimulation. So Yes, my life became more difficult and I had to stop other things. So I was still riding horses at the time and I had to stop. And I wasn't working with horses anymore. I stopped to working with dogs already when I got moss. But I was still helping friends riding their own horses. I didn't have time for that. All my time went into moss, moss training and moss happiness and making sure that he could fulfill his needs Um in his in life. We were living in a city at the time. We were living in Milan and... Um, walking at the local park wasn't enough for him I had to get my car and go out in the countryside where he could run free without the risk of getting on the car because he was running just too far from me his 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 range around me was really big and that's the type of dog he is and that's the type of breeding he has um the following one jock that is his um nephew is the same um he's a dog that needs a lot of running and needs a lot of training and he, and when he trains he's 100 percent on it there's no and you have to be fast and you have to be quick because he needs that he needs a handler that is quick and fast and I did struggle with him a bit um although he's an amazing dog to live with and to train um so and then I have Tay now Tay is 17 months and he's still an active dog but he can cope with a day of sleeping even as a young dog and he can cope with several days of not training and he'll still be happy. And he's not on the lazy side, but he's less active as my other two. His brain is less fast and he never chased anything in his life. He didn't get into strange behaviour because of resting days. Um, he was also a lockdown puppy the first three months of 2021. Um, so he couldn't do the usual things that you would normally do because we had to stay local. And he coped very well with it. Um, so... But if you have, so I have three collies now, my girl is not with me anymore, but prepare. If you get a dog like Moss or Jock, you need to use your free time to make them happy because they need exercise, they need training, they need mental and physical stimulation. Not all of them, but I would say that at least nine out of 10 working dogs that come from farm will need that. And then you have the odd one that is a bit 
less active and sometimes they also carry on because of that because they don't have that drive and that stamina to work all day so as much as i would like to tell you that um you know that it's going to be okay you can still you know the first two years especially you will have to dedicate that time to to your young dog and there's no way out of it <coughs> excuse me now the second top tip that i wrote on my post is they can be trained to be left alone, but they like human company. They sometimes are independent, but most of the time they need company in order to be happy. So every dog needs company and needs um, human time and needs owner time. There's no way out of it. Every dog. If you get a dog, you get a dog for their company. You don't want to leave them um, many hours alone. But there are dogs that are more independent. There are dogs that can cope with... Being left at home and have a dog walker going or even you going lunchtime to let them out and the rest of the time they're happy on their own, they're independent. Border Collies, some of them come independent, but I would say the majority of the breed are very much human dependent. Um, a lot of dogs if left in kennels all day, like working dogs, like they will go out and the first thing they do is to run and disappear into a distance. Collies come out of a kennel and they are bouncing around you, asking you to do something and asking you to pay attention to them. I've seen this millions of times on farms because I have friends that own farms and friends that have collies. They come out of the kennels and the first thing they want is human attention and to be acknowledged, to be told they're amazing, to do something for you. They literally leave for the owner, um, the farmer, um, the trainer. So they leave for you and... I'm in my office at the moment and, well, there's one that is not here. Sorry about my chair making noises, but um, I'm not sure why Jock is not here. It's probably just on the bed, but normally I have all three sleeping in the office with me, even if they have the run of the house. And the sofa next to me that's got Jock and um, Moss and Tay sleeping next to each other. They want to be where I am. Uh, Moss that is getting old now, he's 11 and a half, he's even worse than before um, because he really whines and cries if I'm in the room, if I'm in the house and, I'm, and he has no access to me, he really needs to stay with me and we have other dogs in the house that are not collies and they are happy on their own, they are happy to sleep downstairs even if you're upstairs, um, they make the choice to be on the sofa because that's comfortable, the collies are with me all the time, if I now stand up to go somewhere they will all stand up and follow me, whether I'm going downstairs for a second to grab a coffee or in the toilet and they will then come back with me, so they're dogs that likes to share space and time with you, so think about it very well. If you are out Monday to Friday, seven hours a day, and then on a weekend you want to go um, somewhere where you, you can't take them with you, they might not be the right dog for you because they like to spend that time and to be with you. So there are other dogs that cope a bit better with um, being independent. So do your research before that. Um, it's a companion in life. They are your shadows. They want to be with you. And there are exceptions. I'm sure there are exceptions, but that's to me, that's my my experience. That's what I've, um, you know, that's what I experienced. That's what I've seen with my students and with, you know, 18 years of owning Border Collies. Now, the third one is, is, is the one that a lot of people said, oh, I wasn't aware of it. And it's such an important one. And is this. They have a lot of genetic problems. The two most commons are hip dysplasia. Um, the three most common, sorry, are hip dysplasia, coli anomaly and epilepsy. You need to research a breed that can guarantee parents are tested for what can be tested and ask about epilepsy in the line. 
Now, we could talk about this for ages and we will have an episode eventually about this. I have a great host to get on um, for this, a good friend of mine that is a vet and has a farm and has bred collies for ages. Um, If you're listening to this, I might have not invited you yet, but you'll be on. And, you know, the three most commons doesn't mean that they, they, you know, there there are other other diseases in border collies. Um, Now, from the three I've said... The only one that can be tested genetically is the collie anomaly. And if you get a registered dog, whether that is with the ISDS, the International Sheepdog Society, or that is with the Kennel Club, actually, no, the Kennel Club doesn't require it. The only one that really requires it is the ISDS. So in order to register a puppy or a litter in the ISDS, the International Sheepdog Society, that is the one that regulates the working dogs, um, that's the one that organizes trials and everything and has a stud book for working dogs. They require parents to be genetic test, genetically tested. So a dog needs to be either, you know, um, either clear or carrier um, or even affected, I think, in order to have a litter register. But two affected cannot be bred together and two carriers cannot be bred together. Um, so your dog, your puppy will be either a carrier or a normal, depending on the parentage, um, inheritance, um, but it will be tested. So you'll know that you will never develop, that, that your puppy will never develop a collier anomaly. Now, if you have a rescue, so you don't know what's behind, I really suggest to either um, genetic test to make sure that they're not affected or do an eye test with a professional vet that does eye tests for these things. Um, they can see um, if the collier anomaly is present by doing a specific eye test. Um, and um, you can't see if the dog is a carrier, but you can see if it's affected. So either genetic test or um, do an eye test. Now, why do you need to know if your collie has collier anomaly? Because if they have impaired vision, they might get into behavior problems. Um, and if you want to do some sort of sport, um, you need to know that your dog can actually see a jump, can see weaves and can see sheep. <laughs> so they, you need to be able, you need to know. So all my dogs are tested genetically and they're all normal just because their parents happen to be normal. And that means that they don't carry the gene. So if bred to another normal, they will all breed normal puppies. If bred to another carrier, they will breed both carrier and normal. But none of their puppies will be affected because they are normal. So they can be bred to anything, even to an affected. Um, Now, the hip dysplasia is something a bit more difficult in a way that it's unknown how the inheritance works. And dogs that are both free from hip dysplasia can still produce puppies with hip dysplasia if genetically they carry the genes that create hip dysplasia. Hip dysplasia is also um, environmental. So you can actually make your dog, you know, the dog can have an injury, the dog can have a problem that will um, create hip dysplasia um, while they're growing, while their joints are still soft. So um, follow the guidance of not over-exercise, over-play uh, with your puppies um, because it's important that they finish growing before um, they can have any um, excess playing, agility, sheep training and everything. They have to be fully grown. Their joints needs to be cl- finished growing and everything. But it can be, you know, inherited. So in order to avoid inheritance... 
it's better if you know that the parents are. There is a more bigger chance that your dogs won't have the dysplasia if um, their parents are clear. And the only way to know if a, if a dog is clear is to x-ray. So I try as much as I can, although I do go for working lions that are in farms, but I try as much as I can to select a puppy whose parents are either hip scored or at least one is hip scored and the other one comes from lions. I know and I know haven't produced big problems in, in, other, in other litters. Um, even better if the parents is actually proven and had had hips um, had puppies before and those puppies have been already x-rayed. Um, it's really hard to do that if you just select a random puppy in a farm because they will not be x-rayed. Um, you probably will never know if their parents, their grandparents, um, their other puppies have any problems because unless they can't really do their job because they're completely crippled, they will still work. Collies can go through pain. You have no idea how good they can work through pain. So it's your own choice. If you want to go for the random puppy in a farm, you know you'll have a risk of your dog developing if the parents um, both are carriers of hip dysplasia. So um, if otherwise you want to really be sure that your dog doesn't carry hip dysplasia, then um, make sure that the parents of your puppy are hip scored or at least they produce puppies that have been hip scored. Um, now, the other one, the last one I want to talk about is epilepsy. Epilepsy is very common in the breed, unfortunately. There's a lot of dogs that are epileptic, even from very famous lines. Um, it's completely unknown how epilepsy is carried. We don't know yet if it's a multiple fa gene factor or... And there are also different types of epilepsy. I'm not going to go deep into this one. I might maybe get a a host in the future that is um, an expert on epilepsy, because I would like to learn more. Um, but yeah, it's not really known. The only thing you can do is to ask if they know of any dog that had epilepsy or to do your research online. There are databases out there. Um, you can ask on Border Collie forums and groups. Um, definitely, if you go for a reputable breeder, you know, you need to ask that question. And I know lines quite well, so I do go for lines that I know will not, have not produced epilepsy um, in the recent five, seven, eight, ten years. Um, but if you don't know lines, and you know, you need to do your own researches. And make sure you do it because epilepsy in collies is, has a great percentage of fatality. They don't really react very well to medication like other breeds do. It's still quite unknown why. They think because of how the brain is developing in border collies to be really, you know, hyper and really reactive to movement and really, you know, always active. Their their um, their nervous system is is actually more prone to epilepsy and to not respond to um, medication. So there's a lot, there's a high mortality um, on yeah, very young dogs um, that I know of, unfortunately, as well. And there is lines that carry definitely. We know that they carry those. Uh, that that very bad disease. Um, now there are a lot of other things to talk about, but these are the main three ones. There is a new one that is coming along that is called EOD, which is a nearly um, onset deafness that brings deafness to dogs um, between three to seven years. So they get deaf much um, younger than the age that they start normally getting deaf. That is 12, 13. 
but is not something at the moment that has a clear genetic test, although there is a test for markers. Um, and it's something that someone, I want to mention this because someone actually in one of the posts mentioned it. Um, there are other millions of tests that actually have an actual genetic test, DNA test, that um, is all contained in a bundle that the different labs um, offer. Uh, one is my dog DNA, the other one is Laboclean. They are the two that I've used in the past um, to test my dogs and they test all the genetic diseases that are present in the breed. You pay for a bundle, you do your blood test or your um, cheek swab, swab and send it to the lab and they will tell you if your dog is carrier or not. And that will make your decision of breeding um, different, but also... Um, if, if your dog has never been tested because they come from a farm where testing wasn't actually happening, is good to know because they might be also affected. A lot of the genetic um, tests that we have are genetic diseases that come very early. So they come as dog when they're puppies, to the dog when they're puppies. Um, but it's good to know um, because there are some that come a bit later in life and um, you can be prepared you know when the symptoms arrive, what it is. So I really suggest to actually get your dog DNA tested, even if you have a rescue and even if you um, have a puppy from a random farm. Um, I do ask or I do suggest to all my students to at least hip score as soon as you can. Um, if you're going to get your female spayed, you can hip score while she's under anesthetic for spaying. If you're going to have your dog castrated, you can do that as well. Or if for any reason they need to be sedated to do something, I'd really suggest that. If I have a dog with high behavior problems that come to me and I can see from their gait, from the way they move, and I have a suspect that there might be some pain related to their behavior, um, I do ask them to go and talk to their vets um, to have the dog at least visited, but some dogs are too nervous to be touched by a vet. Um, so the only other option you have is really to take an x-ray. And that's the less stressful for the dog because they are sleeping, they don't realise that that's happening, they don't realise them being handled. And then when they wake up, they go back to their owners, but you have a clear idea of what's going on in their joints. And you know if their behaviour is actually there because of pain, which is a great way of starting rehabilitation program in training, knowing if pain is in the um, in in your radar, you knowing that it's there and actually treating for pain so the dog is happier. Now the fourth one that has been a bit controversial is about colouring. So colours don't make a puppy more expensive. Breeding and working ability should dictate a price. So don't trust to sell fancy males or blue more than the more common black and white. Now I have friends that do breed colours and some that do charge more um, to pet homes, but not to working homes, which is a bit cheeky. And I personally don't think that border collie should be sold by colour. They should be sold to the, for the quality of their breeding, for the quality to how the puppies are brought up by the breeder, um, the time that the breeder spends with them, all the health tests that go behind breeding, um, and all the careful management of a litter, that should dictate. And then, of course, the quality of the pedigree, which that can be either working or sport or show line. It doesn't really matter. But the quality of the pedigree and all the health tests and the temperament and the breeding, that should be making, that should be um, dictate the price of a puppy, not the colour. Uh, border collies are working breed. Now, if you want to pay more for a male, 
you're my guest. But know that, that you shouldn't be. It's not about colours, but colours, because colours are a choice, breeding choice. They're not rare. I mean, some used to be rare, they're not anymore. If you want a puppy that is Merle, you breed a Merle dog to a solid colour, and some will come out Merle. Um, some won't, and you don't have a clear idea of how many will come out Merle, but it's a choice. And if you want blue and fancy lilac and fancy dilute colours, again, it's a breeding choice. You breed two dogs that both carry dilute gene and they will come out dilute. It's not magic, it's science and it shouldn't be more expensive because of that. That's my personal opinion and I don't want you to go and pay a thousand pound more for a dog while his brother is sold a thousand pound less because they are the same. Um, now, Number five, border collies can be noise sensitive as they have a very fine hearing. Make sure you ask about parents' response to loud noise, fireworks, shooting, to know if you're going to take home a puppy that cannot cope with a busy and noisy urban life. Unfortunately, as a dog trainer that deal with border collies that most of the time comes from farm, I would say 90% of the time, my clients get a dog from a farm. Um, somewhere in Scotland, in Wales, on mountains, on hills, in glens, and yeah, it's the original Border Collie. That's the original Border Collie. That's the one that will work all day. But that's also the one that has been brought up in a very quiet environment. Their parents maybe are so tucked away from the world that they never experience fireworks and you'll never know if they are noise sensitive. So that's a risk. When I pick a puppy, I always do the question, how is their noise sensitivity? When they're shooting, when there's fireworks, sometimes we get some storms. How is the dog reacting? And I want to hear they're not bothered. They can be there listening to shooting happening in the next field and they're not bothered. I want to hear that. If I hear they go and hide, they don't work, they look subdued when there is fireworks, I stay away from the litter. Because there's so much to deal with when you get a puppy. The last thing I want to deal with is noise sensitivity. It's not something easy to train out of a puppy. It is genetic. Some breeding clubs around the world have noise sensitivity as one of the tests for breeding. Um, the Swiss Kennel Club, if you want to breed two dogs together, at least one of the two has to have passed with full votes a shoot um, noise test. So like a proper gunshot um, and they should just stay there happy, like never happened. Um, you can't breed together two dogs that both have a reaction to that, a gunshot. And that, to me, is a great way of breeding um, because you know that you're not going to breed that sensitivity into, uh, or, you know, you have less chance to breed sensitivity into the into the litter. Um, it can still happen because genetic is genetic. But if you start, I, I, I have three dogs um, and all three of them, I knew the parents, I asked the questions, I saw them around noises, I know they're not noise sensitive. I have three dogs that are not noise sensitive. Fireworks, shooting, nothing phases them. They won't flinch if something drops on the floor or things like that. And um, if there is fire, you know, roadworks outside and the neighbors are drilling, they don't care. And you need this. If you want a dog to live happy in a town, in a city, in a urban, busy environment, you can't have a noise sensitive dog. You can, and a lot of you have, but it's hard work. 
So you can avoid that. So if you're still getting a puppy, you're still thinking about getting a puppy, this is one of the questions you need to ask and you need to possibly see with your own eyes. If not, ask the question. Make sure you... And if they don't have an answer for you, just don't. There's so many litters around. Um, It just makes your life easier. Um, Now, number six is border collies are bred to react to fast movement. So it's likely, if not trained, that they will start chasing cars and other fast moving things. We will talk about car chasing on this podcast a lot. So I'm not going to start now a podcast on car chasing because it's going to be one of my podcasts and I'm going to have guests talking about it. Don't worry, we will discuss. I will break it down for you. Oh, sorry. A phone message. This is what happens when you're not well prepared. So um, don't think that you're getting a border collie, you're going to puppy class and you're going to avoid car chasing problems. That's not how it works. And don't think that is a puppy thing that is going to go. So these are some of the myths that I read about. Oh, it's a puppy thing. It's going to go. No, it's going to get stronger because that's what they're bred to do. Their DNA is, um, is, is you know, is being reinforced to chase things and to be, um, you know, to to, re- to respond very fast to fast moving objects. In reality, is sheep, but they will generalize that to a lot of other things. So don't think that you're getting a little puppy. It's very cute the first couple of months. You will never have a problem because you go to puppy class. That's not enough. You need to research, and that's what I offer. Even as puppies, you need to research a border collie person that will tell you how to avoid problems from even starting and I said we're going to talk about it I'm going to do a one or me millions of posts about car chasing to give you a starting point so we're not going to discuss it too much now because um it's going to take too long but yeah don't think if they start they're not going to stop just because they grow out of it and don't think that just a puppy class will help you with that you'll need a bit more you need channeling their prey drive you need giving them a substitute training for that you need to spot the signs before it becomes a problem so there's a lot of things to do now the last one um is the one that made everyone laugh and is there is not such a thing as just one border collie they are like sweets (laughs) once you start you can't stop and that's unfortunately a reality um i have very good self-control so i only get a dog every four years and that unfortunately means four or five years that unfortunately means that having you know having dogs that live long i have to wait because i don't really want more than three dogs um so moss is 11 and a half jock is six this year and tay is going to be two so there's not going to be another border collie for another couple of years at least or this i tell myself um there's no space in the house there's no more space in the van there's no more space anywhere um but yeah it's it's quite addictive if you have a good experience of course um it's good to have multiple collies i find it easier than having just one because they entertain each other on a walk they run with each other um they are dogs that are good in groups um because that's what they are in farms so they do like each other presence as well they like other dogs presence in general but i think they get along better with their own breeds or breeds that have similar traits um so yeah so if you get one don't think you're going to stop at one um great so i'm going to be wrapping up this podcast i hope that it gave you a bit more insight and that it's going to give you a lot of um you know food for thoughts if you're going to research your next 
Borakoli or your first Borakoli. And if you have any question or you want me to elaborate more on one specific of this, as I said already, I'm going to do it. But if you want, of course, leave me a comment um, on the websites where the postcard is going to be um, hosted or even better on the Facebook page. Um, that you can find. Unfortunately, Borakoli has no space on the Facebook page, so we'll have to research the Borakoli as one word um, geek podcast. And um, the, the episode is going to be posted there. You can comment under with anything that you'd like to tell me. I'm going to read all your messages. I'm going to read all your comments and I'm going to take on board everything you say to improve um, and give you, you know, even better experience episode after episode after episode. Have a nice day, everyone.